When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, welcome to F in Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. And as I was thinking about that intro, Mr. Ainsworth, I was thinking soon it's going to be Mr. and Mrs. Ainsworth. Right? <laughs> How a are couple you, weeks. I'm doing well. We're a couple weeks out. But yeah, no, we're, we're doing well. Counting down the days here. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, Thanksgiving vacation is going to feel a little different for you. Uh, I just got a dog last weekend. Oh, incidentally, <laughs> for uh, regular listeners to the podcast, we ended up missing the recording last week. We had some things going on just in terms of our personal lives, some travel, people getting dogs. So we took last week off, but we are back better than ever this week. Hopefully my voice will hold out for a whole episode. We'll see how that goes. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, you want to go ahead and hit us with your first gold star? Yeah, well, I think we're all anxiously awaiting hearing what's going on with your voice, but I'm going to wait till it's your turn to say that. My first gold star <laughs> is going to go to Adrian Wojnarowski, better known as Woj, who two days ago tweeted out that the NBA player rep vote is completed, approving a December 22nd, 72-game regular season for the NBA, which he retweeted himself shortly thereafter and said, Source, all votes counted. And I think regardless regardless of your political affiliations or how you feel about the last week or 10 days, you can appreciate the humor there of, like, we've counted all the votes and we're sure of it. (laughs) So shout-outs to Woj for a nice joke at a time when we all kind of needed one, I think. No, absolutely. Um, incidentally, I, I, that's the early lead for the podcast title, I'm pretty sure. Um, so uh, my first gold star 
goes to the high school football team that I coach. We have finished up our regular season. We are officially 8-0. and I think that I've mentioned on this podcast several times, we have a former NFL quarterback who's our head coach. His son is our quarterback. He's had an incredible season. We have lots of great players. And all of a sudden, you know, you have great players. I look a lot better as a defensive coordinator because these guys can play. So uh, things have worked out well for us. We are 8-0. and Now, Kentucky, the tough deal is that we are, as a state, dealing with COVID. And so we've actually had our playoffs pushed. So we'll see what happens with the rest of the season. We've dealt with so much adversity just managing all the pieces with COVID this year. So proud of the guys. Proud of the uh, results that we've had. Proud of the effort that they put in. So 8-0. We'll take that anytime. Absolutely. Mr. Ainsworth, how about your next gold star? Well, I was going to say, you gotta, your voice is gone because you've been yelling at him for eight weeks or whatever well, it is Yeah, now. absolutely. That's how you get to eight and oh, it's me yelling. No, <laughs> no, the players are actually pretty good, so I haven't had to yell as much, but you know how it is. Even when they're good, you better yell at them, otherwise they'll get soft. <laughs> My next gold star goes to Deshaun Watson and Nike in, I guess, in combination. They donated a very, very cool uniform to Houston Yates High School. Houston Yates High School is where George Floyd went. George Floyd, obviously famous from becoming a hashtag this summer when the, he was murdered by police in Minnesota. And the uniform is charcoal gray, school colors and the numbers and stuff. But they put brotherhood across the nameplate on all of them, put a GF above the Yates on the front of them where it says, you know, Yates, like Houston Yates High School, and then a GF for George Floyd. And then I think the icing on the cake is they said it has breathe written on the inside of the collar right, you know, at the neckline. And I think that's very symbolic. Uh, not Needless to say, the first game on Friday that Houston Yates broke these out, they won something crazy like 42 to nothing. I think they were pretty amped and excited. But Deshaun Watson, for, you know, these kids, that's someone coming from their community that they're seeing on national television and all the stuff that that sparked over the summer. And so I think it was a very cool move by he and Nike uh, to, like, tell them, hey, you know, like, we see you, you're important, we recognize you, to help try and cheer up the community a little bit amidst this Texas high school football season. No, absolutely. Powerful move by Nike. Uh, yeah, they make a lot of powerful moves in this area. My final gold star is going to go to several college football teams because they keep winning, right? We can't ignore BYU because they are doing everything that they're supposed to do. They blasted Boise State 51 to 17 on Friday night. We can't ignore what Cincinnati is doing because Cincinnati blasted Houston 38 to 10 and they're a top top six football team. They're ranked sixth in the country now. We can't ignore what Marshall is doing. Marshall beat UMass 51 to 10. They are still in the discussion, not only for the group of six, the or I should say the group of five, a bowl game, but I mean, frankly, these teams have to be in the discussion for the playoff in this year that is 2020. We can't ignore We have a new entrant, by the way, into the chat. We can't ignore Liberty. Now, listen, Liberty University man. is problematic, but let me just say, <laughs> yeah, 38-35, they beat, they, they beat Virginia Tech this weekend at Virginia Tech. They are undefeated. Their quarterback, Malik Willis, went for a combined 325 yards and four touchdowns against a Virginia Tech team that's beaten NC State, that's uh, beaten Boston College. They, Virginia Tech bashed Boston College, and Boston College almost beat Clemson last weekend. So we can't ignore Liberty as much as we might want to ignore the university. We can't ignore this football team and their performance now. And so just shout out to the little guy, right? These teams that for the longest time, right, the system has tried to freeze them out. 
And now all of a sudden, everyone has to know who Coastal Carolina is. <laughs> because they're undefeated this late into this particular season, which means maybe they could be a part of the playoff, especially considering all of the results that we've seen this weekend. We'll get into that a little bit later in the pod. Mr. Ainsworth, how about your first attention, sir? My first attention is also in college football, although it's at a, if those are the small schools, this is at very much the opposite end of the spectrum. My attention goes to Notre Dame and the student section. And I, I think I've tweeted <laughs> each weekend about the anxiety I get seeing student sections at college football games because if you can't behave on a nationally televised event, there's no telling how many COVID protocols you're breaking behind the scenes. But the idea that, yes, they won an exciting game. Yes, they beat the number one team in the country with a backup quarterback, and we'll talk about that later in the pod. Yes, to so many things about reasons to be excited about that game. However, storming the field, masks flying in the air as you're running through, and just this mass congregation in the middle, man, that can't happen. Like, like in 2020, I know that that's like the the feeling and the emotion and all of the very real like takeover of like the fun of college football, but you, you can't ha- you can't happen. And that, I don't know if that's going to fall on the security at the stadium or on like the structural stuff put in place, or if it's just the kids and they need to be smart. But like that can't happen. And so that's my detention. Do you want a hot take there? So let me say first, I said uh, your first detention. I think that might be your only detention. So um, no worries there. But um, here's my hot take there. Uh, In 2020, that can't happen. At Notre Dame, that should never happen. You're Notre Dame. (laughs) You know what I mean? You should should feel like you could beat the number one team in the country. So the fact that the section storms the field when you do it, almost as insulting like, wake up the echoes. Come on, guys. Well, there's been years where Notre Dame is not a top five team. They're, they were already number four. Like, it shouldn't have felt as big an upset as it was. But anyway, anyway that that's my, my rant on that is you can't you can't let that happen in 2020 at any school. And we just saw Notre Dame do it. So No, absolutely. Uh, my detention this week goes to uh, CNN. And here's why. <laughs> because I watched the CNN election coverage and – Know that Mr. Ainsworth and I are teachers. We are both history teachers. So basically, we spent the last week teaching election, essentially, right? Because that's what's going on in our country. And if you are watching the information as it comes in, and you are analyzing it, and you truly understand it, this election should have been called probably, like, Parker, is it safe to say this election could have been called on Thursday evening? Like, I feel like I'd I'd call that. I mean, I guess if you'd have called it Wednesday afternoon, evening, you might have been a little early, but definitely by Thursday evening, it was just like, okay, this is formality. And now you're still not calling it on Friday. And I'm like, so here's part of the reason why I'm giving them a detention is because I told my kids on Monday, like, we're not going to know the results of the election on Tuesday. Um, and it might take us until Friday to truly know the results. And, of course, CNN waits one more day. They make me look like an idiot. Now we didn't know on Friday, even though we really kind of knew on Friday. And I am thoroughly convinced. Here's my big conspiracy theory. It was all for the ratings. So CNN probably got great ratings in terms of the election coverage. In all seriousness, shout out to all the different organizations that did such a great job of covering the entire complexity that was this election cycle because obviously this was an election unlike any other considering global pandemic considering mail-in balloting and provisional balloting considering just the the uh, level of scrutiny that went to vote counters so obviously an election unlike any other we now have our president-elect in joe biden we have our first african-american slash asian slash female a vice president-elect in kamala harris so uh the new 
the new folks are coming into the office. And of course, there's a lot of pressure on them to make sure that they live up to the campaign promises that they put out there during their during their campaign. And now they've been elected. So we'll see what happens there. And (laughs) of course, we jump forward because now we get to talk sports. Let's talk clubs sports. Absolutely. Uh, we'll shut up and dribble. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk Clemson football. <laughs> we'll talk Clemson. We'll talk Trevor Lawrence. And we'll talk about what do you do with these Clemson Tigers in terms of the college football playoffs. We'll talk Dallas Cowboys, and we'll talk about what do you do now that your quarterback is out and you're actually starting someone who I believe struggled to keep his job in college. You're starting him in an NFL football game. Like, should they go full tank mode? And then. We will talk a little bit of basketball because we have to talk about who won the coaching carousel in 2020. So, without further ado, Mr. Ainsworth, are you ready to go, sir? Ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Mr. Cummings. So, our first thesis today, as recorded on a Sunday midday, is actually very much tied to something that happened late last night. Our thesis reads, even though Clemson has lost a game without Trevor Lawrence... The college football playoff must include them. What do you say to that thesis, Mr. Cummings? Intuitively, I think that Clemson would be in the playoff, obviously, if Lawrence plays all the games. That being said, I'm going to give it a C because there's some A stuff and there's some F stuff. How do you feel about that thesis statement, Mr. Ainsworth? I'm also at like a C minus. Like I'm going to barely pass it, but I, I'm at a very, very low. So I'm going to go like a 70 even or something, you know, like very, very low. All right, Mr. Cummings. Now, we were both pretty low on this thesis, but we did pass the kids, so they're eligible. Um, (laughs) Eligibility. We are pro-eligibility. Pro-eligibility. Talk to me about what your thought process was. Okay. I'm going to get the – I'm just going to basically hit on the two big pieces for me, which are the A pieces and the F pieces. So the big piece for me that would make this an A is the fact that it's Clemson. And Clemson has been incredible, right? So you have Trevor Lawrence. You have Etienne. You have the plethora of interior players on their defense that just roll through and get drafted incredibly highly in the NFL draft. You have Dabo Sweeney. You have an incredible uh, coaching staff with Venables and running that defense. Everything about Clemson, when you watch them, says that that's a playoff team. That's got to be one of the four best teams in the country when you see them with Trevor Lawrence. And let me say this. DJ Uyagalele is not some slub. And the fact that I know how to pronounce his name tells you that, right? Because we're going to learn how to pronounce that man's name because he's going to be a very high pick in the NFL draft when his time comes as well. So it's not like they got some scrub leading them through this deal. They ran into the number four team in the country in Notre Dame and lost. And they lost a road game in double overtime. So it's, it's abundantly possible, by the way, that these teams see each other again because – Notre Dame is essentially a part of the ACC this year, which means that they're eligible for the title game in the conference. So it could be that Clemson plays these dudes again, and we'll see what happens, because it's very likely, unless something catastrophic happens, that Trevor Lawrence is going to be available. But let me say this. Let's say something catastrophic does happen. Let's, or let's just say that Trevor Lawrence sees his future, and he decides, you know what? I ain't coming back, because the NFL is more important than this deal. Uyagalele could beat these guys. Like, <laughs> So I'm not saying that that Clemson team, to me, looks like one of the best teams. They, they, it feels like they need, a playoff is not going to be legitimate without them. And the F part, right, is still the fact that they've got to play the rest of their schedule. They've got to win the rest of their schedule because you've lost now. So you've lost any grace. So, yes, you have to beat Florida State, and I highly anticipate that you will, even though the game's in Tallahassee. Yes, you have to beat Pitt. Pitt's coming 
to your building, so that abundantly seems possible. Yes, you have to beat Virginia Tech in Blacksburg, and you would feel like if Liberty could do it, Clemson can, especially if Trevor Lawrence is here for these last three games, which every indication is that he will be, considering that they've got to buy this week. So if you needed an extra week just to get everything right with Trevor Lawrence, you got that now. So you got to win out. If you lose another game, you're probably out of the championship picture in my mind. Now, you might make the conference championship game, but I, I can't take a two-loss team in the playoff unless everyone has a loss. And I, I get, I'm pro taking one of these smaller teams. Like I think BYU and Cincinnati deserve a look as much as anyone else. So those are the two big pieces for me. But I am curious, Mr. Ainsworth, because you graded about where I did. What are the pieces that I haven't considered yet? So my big – the interesting thing I think is that I think I also have A points and F points. My big F point is the word must in the thesis, right, that this college football playoff must include them because I don't think it's a must. I think it's – similar or akin to if Trevor Lawrence had had a bad ankle sprain and couldn't play or because you know as the college football committee saying they're going through grading games that their one loss if they carry out and went out the rest of the season like you just illustrated they probably should or definitely could I should say if you look at the rest of their games and they went out and whatever and win the ACC yes we will know that they have that one loss that came without their starting quarterback and double overtime on the road that would be the same if Ohio State had the same kind of thing happen with Justin Fields. If Ohio State played 10 games, went 10-1, and one, won the Big Ten, but their one loss was a game without Justin Fields, we would look at it very similarly, regardless of the cause of the guy sitting out, right? I guess my deal comes down to the idea of must, because while 2020 and COVID feels new and different because we don't know the long-term ramifications, like we've seen Cam Newton has not looked the same since. In the NBA, Russell Westbrook did not look the same afterwards. You know, is Ezekiel Elliott having fumble problems because of what's going on with his COVID case after the fact, right? Like, we don't know what happens afterwards, and we hope that doesn't happen with Trevor, a young kid that hadn't gotten paid yet. We do know that they're a very good football team with him, right? And we do know that they almost won that game even though he didn't play. And so I think that the idea of must to me is where I'm like, well, I mean, it's the same thing as any other year the quarterback missed a game. And as far as the way the product on the field goes, I also look at the the rest of the top 25 and beneath them in the AP, it's going to change probably as we're speaking, right? Because we're talking on a Sunday afternoon, but coming into today, uh, coming into this week, you had Clemson at number one, Alabama at two. Alabama's going to keep on winning because they're Alabama. Ohio State at three, although they've played a lot less games. Notre Dame at four. It's easy to assume that they're going to jump up to one or two. But then at five, you've got Georgia. They lost to Florida yesterday. Cincinnati is one of your undefeated small schools. A&M has a difficult rest of the way, but they're sitting at four and one at seven. Florida won against Georgia yesterday, so they may jump a few spots ahead of A&M as well. They also um, they have hit... a loss, though, so that's something to keep in mind well, as well. A&M and Florida both have a loss, and Florida is one less game because they had to cancel a game, right? Um, and BYU is sitting behind them at 9 at 7-0. and And so I guess what I'm getting at here is that if the college football committee says that, you know, we're going to go with an undefeated Alabama, an undefeated Ohio State, and a undefeated Notre Dame or, you know, maybe if they choose the winner of the ACC championship game and then, you know, Cincinnati or BYU, I don't think you or I would disagree with those four. It just kind of sucks that this 
one loss at Clemson will help hurt more. They should get a chance to redeem it when the ACC outright, right, with Trevor Lawrence comes back and is okay. And frankly, I think we both would argue that even if he doesn't come back and or whatever, if he says, you know what, I'm going to sit down and wait till I make some money or whatever, he's not going to do that. But if if he were to take that route for whatever, you know, turn on a dime reason, they're fine. They've got a guy that can play in Ugalele. <laughs> like, they're, they're going to be okay and could still win the ACC outright without it. So... I hang up my issue with this thesis on like the idea of must, as if we're just supposed, we have to just ignore what happened. Because what I saw happen last night in that college football game is that Clemson is still very, very good, like and that, good. and that is important in weighing this out. And I also saw that with a quarterback that starts at ninety nine point nine percent of college football programs, <laughs> Notre Dame took them down and is also very very good. And then during the day, I saw that Alabama is very, very good. And Florida is very, very good. And Cincinnati actually got to watch yesterday because they were playing the U of H in the middle of the day. And like Cincinnati is very, very good. I think your team, as far as the small school goes, tends to be BYU because they put up the numbers. It sounds like, right? And BYU is also Cincinnati very, too, very, good. very good. Right? And so I guess my, my thing is that I think Clemson has a shot whether or not you feel like they must or must not be put in. But I don't think we need to treat this as like some random, well, we have to just ignore what happened because even including what happened, they're still probably in. This is the part of the podcast where I spend a little bit of time talking about DJ Uyagalele because I'm not kidding, guys. He's better than anyone the Cowboys are going to try out there on this Sunday afternoon. He's better than anyone. That, By a lot. Yes, and he's 19 years old. So um, this kid is one of the top quarterback prospects as a true freshman in this season he was incredible playing high school football last year in the state of california he is the goods he's essentially what trevor lawrence was coming into clemson like he's that level of prospect and what we know is that trevor lawrence was so good that even though kelly bryant had clemson in the college football playoff the year before they had to unseat that dude because lawrence was too good to not play And so I don't want folks to look at Clemson with this loss and say, well, yeah, they got this schlub at backup quarterback. No, 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 that's not what they have. Right. They have a very representative team. Uyagalele, if he plays the rest of the season and Trevor Lawrence, like, you know, a a whole nother thesis could be should Trevor Lawrence come back and play the rest of the season. That might be a little previous to the thesis we need to do next week. But should Trevor Lawrence decide that he's done? Clemson with Uyagalele, could win the national championship. And it's abundantly possible that they win out their last three games. They would have a bye week, oh, by the way, to get him even more ready after he's played the last two weeks. They could win out the rest of their season. They could go into an ACC title game, get the rematch with Notre Dame and beat them, which then has them as the ACC champion. So now they go into this thing, and it's abundantly possible that they beat Bama, they beat Ohio State, they beat whoever the fourth team happens to be whether it's a one-loss SEC team or a team like a Cincinnati or a BYU, right? So I guess I want folks to understand how good Uyagalele is. And then the other piece that I want folks to understand is that with the college football playoff, it's not like we're looking at numbers and metrics and throwing it into the computer and getting an objective result. We had that system and everyone hated it. We just got some folks in the room. And them folks are going to have conversations, and they're going to say, these are the four best teams. And well, they don't hold on, back up. In 2020, those might be folks on Zoom. But, yeah. Yes, no, absolutely. It'll be, it'll be <laughs> folks on a Zoom call, and hopefully they'll all have their pants on, and they will be having the conversation about who gets to go into the playoff, right? And so we don't know what they'll take into account. 
because it's abundantly possible. Now, again, we're doing a lot of supposing, but it's abundantly possible that Trevor Lawrence comes back, looks like the Heisman winner, and they look, and then let's say Clemson beats Notre Dame. They just look and say, that team has to be in, right? Because the loss was without him. Now they got him back. It's also abundantly possible that if Lawrence never comes back <laughs> to Clemson and Uyagalele just has these guys blowing the doors off and then they go and they beat Notre Dame, that, that you got to include them, right? The, you're right. They got to win. That's the biggest piece, right? And I'm, I'm making a big assumption in terms of them winning out regardless of who the quarterback is. But it really is just some folks in the room. And so how do, you, how do you quantify that? I don't know how to quantify those conversations that they have. Like, how do we quantify the impact of COVID and not having fans in the stands and people saying we're not going to have fans in the stands during the college football playoffs, so we got to make sure we get the best possible ratings, and Clemson's going to give us that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think my bigger thing, though, is that, like, Alabama and Ohio State and Notre Dame and, frankly, in BYU, or also an A&M, or also a Cincinnati. I mean, maybe not Cincinnati as much as the others. It's probably the lowest in that spectrum. The rest of those schools all bring in a lot of fans, too. It might, it's just not the same fans. But, like, BYU has an international following. So, as a small school, if you had Alabama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and BYU, those are four big-time fan followings. You still get the ratings up. I, I think my thing is just this... Clemson will probably be in the conversation with the law. So why are we treating it weird and different? <laughs> like, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we, we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth. We'll see how much longer my voice holds out. The uh, the <laughs> next thesis statement that we have is around your childhood football team favorite, the Dallas Cowboys. And the question is, or I should say the statement reads, the Dallas Cowboys should go full tank mode on this season. I say that to you as a proud wearer of the star. What do you say? <laughs> well, I want to make sure I clarify that we were Oilers people first. And then, <laughs> then that, that I say this is an A. They need to tank the season. Whether it's on purpose or not, I think they should. Chaka, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> Let me just say, like in that little 15-second blip, you got two more possible pod titles right there. So we were Oilers <laughs> people's first, and whether it's intentional or not, those are perfect. Um, I'm, so uh, I, I think that this is an – God, I think this is an A. There's one like major caveat. Actually, there's two major caveats. I think I'm going to go B. I was So let me just say I was going to go higher initially, and now I'm just thinking this through. I'm going to go B. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, you are 
higher than I am here, although I anticipated being just as high as you were on the Cowboys going full tank mode. So now there's some pieces to consider. But tell us why this is an A. So in large part, I think I give this an A because most NFL teams do not have a backup quarterback that is capable of playing and winning NFL games for you. The truth is there are probably not even 32 NFL starting caliber quarterbacks. And there are 32 teams. Incidentally, like the college football team that we just talked about in Clemson, like college football teams are better equipped to deal with these things because of how they can recruit than NFL teams are. Right. And so if you're looking at can a professional football team continue to win games when they put so much on the quarterback anyway like Dallas does – then I don't think most teams should, if their quarterback is out for the season as early as Dak Prescott was, have any aspirations outside of, like, let's look at the draft. That doesn't even mean necessarily that you need to draft someone to replace Dak. I would say pay Dak and, like, let's keep this thing rolling and get him Pene Sewell or get him an edge rusher to help him out so he doesn't score 50 points a game or, or whatever, right? But I would say most NFL teams, just blanket statement, when your starting quarterback gets hurt and is out for the season that early – Go ahead and throw it in. Sit your starting running back like it looks like Dallas might start doing. If your middle linebacker's got a tweaked hip, <laughs> sit him. If your safety is like, ooh, my hamstring, sit him. Some, like, of, these don't... Things, some of these things are so easy for the Cowboys to do because they've been sitting their middle linebacker. Like, <laughs> right? When's the last time uh, Vander Esch played a whole season? You know what I mean? Well, right, exactly. But it's like, why, why throw their bodies in the fire for a season that... Even if everyone else is healthy and perfect and doing fine, you're probably at best winning the worst division of football anyway. So, like, I don't, I don't know what the cause would be, and I'm not even saying they need to go get Trevor Lawrence and Justin Field and replace Dak. I, I don't know how I feel about that yet. That may be a later podcast thesis, but I do think that they need to use the draft capital because no team is going to do this well. No team is going to do this anyway. Why does Dallas think they should? Um, Let me just say that a big part of why I give this like a high grade is the fact that they could go get one of the quarterbacks. And here's my thought here. So I'm going to throw this reasoning out for you, give you some time to think about it, and then I'll jump back with some other points. But think about the teams that have been successful – with the young quarterback on their rookie deal. And because, so like, I am anti-Jerry, and I hate Jerry for not paying Dak. Okay, so let me start there. But the reality is, is that if you pay Dak, and Dak got hurt this season, even if you tank, you're not going to go get the cue because you have too much money tied up in Dak. But because you franchise them, Dak can walk, which means that you didn't tie up that money, which means now you get the quarterback on their rookie deal. And you could bring that dude in. Right, You can bring in Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and we've seen that that model can work if you can pull it all together. So that's that's a piece to consider in my mind in terms of tank. Now, even if you say, yes, let's re-sign Dak, you've already outlined there are other players to go get. So you could actually go get help for the Cowboys even if you re-sign Dak. So that's all pieces to consider. Let me say, the thing that brought this grade down to a B for me, because <laughs> the A points are powerful, but here's some pieces to consider. Number one. The Cowboys are only two games back in the loss column in the division. The division's terrible. I understand that. But they can win the division, conceivably. And if they win the division, maybe they don't win the Super Bowl. But you can't win the Super Bowl if you're not in the dance. At least you're in the dance. And if you're in the dance and you get knocked out, at least you get a home playoff game in the dance. And you get the home playoff game revenue in the COVID 2020 season where the Cowboys have fans in the stands. So they're going to get a little bit of revenue there. But they'll get the television revenue, all those sorts of things, right? Merchandising, parking, concessions. At least they'll get something, right? 
So that's something to consider. Something else to consider is that the NFL is now having these conversations about more teams being in the playoffs in this provisional year because of games that might be canceled with COVID. And if they go to this model where they decide, hey, listen, we're going to let eight teams in, there's no reason to not try for the playoff game. Uh, I understand that when they say, hey, let's let an extra team in, like the NFL is hoping they, just, they basically don't want the model where one of those NFC West teams gets left out. Like, they're hoping that in the NFC it's one of the West teams that comes in. But if you're the Cowboys, why not, right? Like, you got a shot at the division. Maybe if you don't get the division, but they allow another playoff team in. Now there's eight playoff teams. Maybe you could be that eighth seed. I don't know. It feels like it's it's something out there to, to entice the players to say, hey, we're going to still keep playing. So maybe you go for it in that way. Um, the other piece to consider as well is that even if the Cowboys go full tank mode, they still are not guaranteed to get the first pick in the draft. Because as bad as the Cowboys are, the Jets are worse, and the Giants' record indicates that they're playing worse. So the two New York teams right now are ahead of them for that high draft pick. And don't get me wrong, if they if they tank and it's the third pick in the draft, they probably still feel pretty good about the third pick. But you would almost want to ensure the first pick so that you have all the flexibility in the world. And here's what we know. Trevor Lawrence might not go to the Jets. He's going to go to the Cowboys if the Cowboys are the pick. So if you are Dallas, you would want to tank and know that you got Trevor Lawrence in the bank, right? Because if the worst-case scenario is you draft him and keep him and you let Dak go, you probably feel pretty good about that. If you can know that you have that in the bank and now teams have to give up draft capital so that you can re-sign Dak and then get more draft capital, like, that's not a bad deal either. So those are the pieces why I lowered it to a B. But, yeah, obviously, go go well, tank if you're already bad, right? <laughs> well, and they may not do this on purpose even, right? I mean, the deal is they've got Garrett Gilbert at one of the quarterbacks, Danucci and – Cooper Rush, right? That's the, that. Those are their options are looking at. I honestly I think, don't remember Cooper Rush as a quarterback in college. Like, do you remember him? <laughs> no, Garrett Gilbert, I tied to from Austin and then from Texas and then SMU and and Morrison and so on. But I think my my real connection to this is that look as I look at it, like you're heading towards a January third. Who can lose the football game between Dallas and New York in New York? And that game might be three to nothing. Like that game might be. How atrociously can we make this? Because you're right that the Jets are looking like they can go in 0-16. You didn't mention Jacksonville. Jacksonville is going to go 1-15 potentially. No. They, I don't know who they're going to be. Well, they're I, not gonna here's, be. here's the thing with Jacksonville. They're right? currently, as we as we sit here and speak, they're beating Houston. But it's literally like if they don't, <laughs> oh, if they don't, if they don't beat Houston, right? They're up 7-0 right now. If they don't beat Houston, it's like they really, they got to play Green Bay, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Minnesota, Tennessee, Baltimore, Chicago, and Indianapolis. And so maybe Indianapolis at the end there if Phillip Rivers isn't playing, but he can beat the Jaguars. I so I, I don't know. I like they really might go one and fifteen. And so then you're coming down to the third pick, because Dallas already has two wins. You're coming down to the third pick being the Giants and the Cowboys. And if the Giants can be if the Cowboys can lose to, I should say, if the Cowboys can lose to the Giants to end the season, I don't know that they necessarily need to use the quarterback or need to use the draft pick on a quarterback to make tanking worth it. I think the fact of the matter is, even if they expand the playoffs, I don't know if they're in. And even if they expand the playoffs and Dallas wins the game, it's like, cool, we lined Jerry's money with Jerry's pockets with more money to not pay a quarterback. Like, I don't know what the point of that is for. Um, 
But go get Paneo Sewell, go get Micah Parsons, go get Jamar Chase, go get someone, right? Go get someone that can help your team out. They probably don't need a receiver in Jamar Chase, but go uh, get why someone. Not? Why not? Why not? That dude, yeah. that dude's a difference maker, right? Like that, I, that I, I would be okay with them going to get the kid out of LSU for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess that's my thought is just like, you know, go get someone in the early part of the first round that will help you out when you do pull Dak Prescott back. Because I would imagine, again, this may be another podcast thesis for a later date, but I imagine Dak's stock is going to be down until we see him run again, unless you're Dallas and you can see him running and working out and doing his rehab in your facilities, right? Because most people are going to be like, well, movement was a big part of his game. He wasn't like a running quarterback in the sense that like Lamar Jackson or, or anybody else is, or, but but he is a mobile quarterback that uses escaping the pocket and extending plays. And I think most teams are going to want to see him run before they resign him. So I think that actually favors him coming back to Dallas in the long term. All, all I'm looking at this is, though, my overall theme of this whole thesis is if the Tampa Bay Bucks had Tom Brady go down, they should also tank and get a good pick. If the if the Packers I, I had Aaron Rodgers, I disagree with what you just said about the Bucks. If the Packers had Aaron Rodgers go down for the season, it's like you're not tank. Get the pick and come back and do it again. Like a, starting quarterbacks, there aren't even 32 of them. The idea that you have a second one that can win enough games to make a good run at it on your roster is wild. It's it's what makes the Tom Brady story the first time they won in New England so crazy. It's like, holy crap, they had this dime in the rough at the end of their bench that they didn't even know they had. Like yeah, That's what makes it crazy. It's not that it's like a possibility. It's that it's not, and that's what's crazy about it. No, absolutely. Um, this, you said something like, I disagree about Tampa. If, if Now, the, the deal is, is that timing with Tampa. So like, if Tampa actually did... Like if Brady actually did go down, no, Tampa actually should have went to go get because they're they're a different deal in terms of their team structure. They're essentially set to win now, so they should go get a backup quarterback like a Ryan Fitzpatrick and bring him in and let him start. But that's not this podcast thesis. I I honestly laugh because you said that Jacksonville's beating Houston, and I'm like, you're the only person who can commiserate with me because I root for the two New York sports teams and they're terrible. You <laughs> Texas football teams and they're terrible too. Um. I do think that Jacksonville has a better shot at winning games than Dallas does, but I don't want to get too far in the weeds with that one. What I will say is this. If if you are the Cowboys and you get down to the end with you and the Giants, the, I do think that the Giants are playing better than the Cowboys. The per- issue with the Giants, because the Giants are playing hard. If you watch the Giants play, they play to try to win these games. The issue with they them just is don't. That, yeah, because the quarterback's inconsistent. He's just not. He, Danny Dimes will do things that makes you want to call him Danny Dimes, and then Daniel Jones will do things that make you want to call him <laughs> Daniel Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like he just he throws picks that don't make any sense, and the reason why he's throwing them is because he just has you, he has that in his DNA. He's going to be a turnover guy. He's uh, like Jameis Winston. Some of these guys just turn the ball over. Brett Favre did it, but Brett Favre was so great in other areas that he was able to overcome it. I don't know that Daniel Jones is great enough to overcome that. I don't know that Jameis is great enough to overcome it. So the issue with the Giants and the Cowboys at the end is that the the Cowboys might not be able to outplay the Giants anyway. The question then becomes, if you could get the number two pick, is that worth it to tank knowing that it's not? Like, you wouldn't be tanking for Trevor Lawrence, who people are saying is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, like, conservatively and, like, aggressively the best quarterback prospect since John Elway. It feels like if you're going to tank, tank for that. Versus, listen, I know that 
Panay Isul is the best player in this draft. I know it. You will draft him. You will put him at left tackle. He will be there for 15 years. And then and he you will, will go get his gold jacket. Like that's, right. that's the kind of player. And the deal is he'll be there at left tackle in week one of the 2021 season. Like he, he's ready Absolutely. to go. He's ready to go. He's plug and play. So I know that. But can you convince your fan base that you're tanking for that? Because offensive tackle is not sexy. You know what I mean? Well, I will say, though, is that Dallas's windows have mismatched enough where they had, like, the best offensive line in the league, like, three or four years ago. And now they have some of the best skill when Dak was healthy, some of the best skill positions in the league. And those crisscross of those windows did not happen like they needed it to. And so I think that people do understand that they need to boost up their offensive line. I don't know if you could convince them that tanking for that with a healthy Dak is worth it. But I think you could convince them that tanking for that with Ben DiNucci or Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush or what? Like, I think you convince them that now it's okay. Incidentally, Cooper Rush, Western Michigan. That's why he was not on my radar. Like, <laughs> I did not, <laughs> I'm sorry. He's from. If I tell you that he's from Charlotte, you'd be like, "Oh, he played in Carolina." No, he's from Charlotte, Michigan. Dear God, man, I have no idea where that is. Um, they, <laughs> I, I have no idea where that is. They probably helped Biden win the election, but I'm not sure. Um, the, John King would know. There you go. Absolutely. He would know exactly which county. Um, incidentally, like uh, the other piece that's in there is that you talked about kind of the cross section. Like we don't know what Dak is coming back as well. And it could be that even if he comes back, like you still might miss the cross section of the best of Dak Prescott. If you draft Panay Sewell and you have all these skill guys, which that would totally stink for the Cowboys. And that would stink obviously for Dak as well. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, after the wonderful news that the NBA is going to be coming back right around Christmas time, we can't get out of here without a basketball thesis. So the (laughs) thesis statement reads, the Philadelphia 76ers won the off-season coaching carousel. I say that to you, Mr. Ainsworth. How do you grade that thesis statement? I give it a very high A with maybe only reservation because of unknowns, but I'm going to give it like an... 96. We're talking an a, a high, high A. Awesome. What do you Almost think? an A+. Plus. Almost, Almost an A+. Plus. An a plus. Um, I'm going to go A-. minus. So I'm pretty high on it, too. There's, a, like you said, there's a few unknowns. And so I just want to take those into account. But I feel really good about what Philly did in the offseason. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth. Every North Carolina basketball player is signing up for our class. We're giving out A's left and right. So uh, the, <laughs> the thesis statement read, the Philadelphia 76ers won the offseason coaching carousel. You went darn near A+. plus. Like, I wonder if at some schools a 96 might be an A+. plus. Um, I went A-, minus, so we're obviously pretty high. Let's go ahead and let the people know why this is such a high grade in our minds. What are you thinking, Mr. Ainsworth? Well, before I get to Philly specifically, I guess what kept me from, a, like, 100 A-plus off the charts is – like, I do like SVG for New Orleans, right? I do think Billy Donovan's a good hire for where Chicago is. I do think there's, like, potential with Steve Nash in Brooklyn. And then, you know, call me a homer. I think he's not a big, sexy name right now. He's only been an assistant coach. But Steven Silas in Houston could do some interesting things. He's an innovative offensive guy. He understands the idea of spacing. He ran a lot of the stuff for Carlisle with Luka Doncic, and he's going to do some stuff in Houston with Harden and Russ. And I think he has said and looks like he can do all the right things for a guy. He's just not a big, sexy name yet. But when you look at who won, you look for the sexy names, right? You look for who <laughs> who did something that is like marketable and we understand what it's going to do for them and we think it will work. 
based on what we know about the people. And the names for that are like Doc Rivers and Ty Lue are the only people I see as really competitive for that, which is kind of ironic because Lue replaced Doc Rivers in, in, with the Clippers. I'm about to say in L.A., but that's not specific enough. And <laughs> he replaced Doc Rivers in L.A., and Ty Lue was also on his staff. So there's like this like transition of power there that's interesting. But I, I think Doc and Philly is fascinating because Philly – you know, you give me a hard time about it. I maintain when they had Jimmy Butler, they were a weird bounce away from having a very, very different feeling <laughs> season two years ago on that crazy bounce around Kawhi Leonard shot. Johnson also gives you a hard time about it. I'm not the only one. <laughs> well, she's a Raptors person, though. But what I will say is that I think that people look at this job differently because of how that bounced. And that's the that's the beauty of basketball, right? It's the ball bounces a funny way, and then the whole rest of history is different. But Doc and Philly is a big winner because he runs a more traditional, it's not quite as, you know, spread space and pace and we're doing all the threes and stuff that a lot of teams do now. And he's got some stars that kind of fit that. He also gets my man, Daryl Morey, to help him run the ship. And so you've got this cool yin and yang where you've got a little bit more old school basketball mind in Doc and like the innovative numbers guy in Daryl. And Doc and Daryl is not only a funny t-shirt idea, shout out to Philly, give me a t-shirt if you make it. But what I will say <laughs> is Doc and Daryl is this yin and yang that is also kind of the yin and yang that they've got in their stars in a 6'8 point guard that won't shoot and a 7'1 center that could dominate in low post but won't. And I think that there is this magic happening there that I, I think will lead to something cool. Now, something cool could be losing to Miami with Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like oh, that, wow. That's, you got Giannis in Miami already. Gosh. <laughs> well, I, I'm talking about like if that happens, if, if Giannis to Miami happens, then none of what the Philadelphia did matter. No, this all right? feels <laughs> irrelevant. That happens, <laughs> like, absolutely. Like, like, like it doesn't. It doesn't matter if they've got Bam and Jimmy and Giannis. It's like, uh, it was nice to nice to have a fun Philly story for a while. <laughs> like, it doesn't. It doesn't matter, right? And so, I guess that's where I'm at on is that it's they won because they're the most fun one of these to talk about, and they're like the most known. Like, we don't know what Steve Nash is going to be. We don't know. I mean, you might want to talk about your Knicks and Thibodeau, but I, I'm not. I'm, I'm <laughs> gonna, I am going to talk about them a little bit in that be, the the deal here is, like you said, you win the coaching carousel based off of the sexy name. And, like, it's 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 trophy wife season. That's really what it is, right? Right. It's, it's all about right. looks. Thibodeau's a sexy name. Like, we, could, we can parse out how people feel about the tenure in Minnesota, but the tenure as an assistant coach and a tenure – in Chicago is inarguable. So now when you bring in Thibodeau to New York, that is a sexy name. And if you start looking at the names, you you just went through them. Thibodeau feels more sure than Nate Borkren. Thibodeau feels <laughs> more sure than JB Bickerstaff. I had a we had a year of the JB Bickerstaff experiment in Houston. Yeah, how was that? <laughs> okay, exactly. Yeah, um, it was a year. That's how it was. <laughs> exactly. Um, to me because you know that we feel differently about Stan Van Gundy, Thibodeau's a better name than Stan Van Gundy. Now, if you're going to go that route, maybe they're interchangeable, because I actually don't think that Thibodeau was the right guy for the Pelicans either, necessarily. Just as, for the same reason, I don't think Stan Van Gundy would be the right guy, right? But Thibodeau's a sexier name than Steven Silas, even though I love that hire. I love not just recycling. I love the Nate Borkman hire, too, because it's not just recycling. 
You know what I mean? Right. So there's a lot there. Um, I actually like Thibodeau better than Billy Donovan as a name. Billy Donovan leaving Oklahoma City, like, I guess I kind of get it because Donovan was maybe ready for a new challenge. Maybe he just wanted a bigger city, too, because Chicago versus Oklahoma City, I mean, we, we understand that those are well, different lifestyles, right? So, and we should specify, too, that Oklahoma City has not replaced him yet, but... Billy Donovan leaving Oklahoma City, all reports were that was amicable, right? Like, they were having beers and cheers into a great last year, and, like, they were having a good time with it. So I don't. Everybody was ready for that to happen kind of the way they did. Billy Donovan was ready to move on. Oklahoma City was okay with that because they felt like we're going to rebuild and let's bring in someone who's more of a rebuild type of coach. So that was amicable by all accounts, absolutely. Tom Thibodeau is a more short name than Steve Nash. Like, the thing with the Nets is that it's the players that they have they make you feel great about Brooklyn it's not that they went and I don't know Steve Nash being a head coach to me there's nothing about that that makes me say oh yeah that's everything's gonna work out in fact you could argue that their assistant coach hire is the sexier name right the fact that yeah. Tony's gonna go and be an assistant for Steve Nash yeah. is as sexy as Steve Nash coming and the fact that Steve Nash is also kind of doing this whole Phoenix reunion because Amari Stoudemire is going to be an assistant like all of that together in the pot makes it feel a little more sexy but really that's all you know it's all fodder if you don't have KD and Kyrie right so to me I don't want to short Thibodeau in, in all honesty, if I'm looking at this list, Ty Lu is probably the big, the biggest name good fit. Just if we're just talking coaches, Doc Rivers and the Philadelphia 76ers are highly rated because it, it's the package of Doc and Daryl, which absolutely should be a reality TV show. I, <laughs> I, I'm surprised it's not already. Thibodeau then is the is number three in terms of the names. Ty Lue and Doc Rivers, I understand why they're ahead of him. They got ring. No one else on this list has done more as a head coach than Tom Thibodeau. So I don't like, listen, it's the Knicks. Oh, I get it. And I'm also a homer too, right? You like Silas. You talked about that. So I'm going to talk about my guy in Thibodeau. So I understand people thinking that I'm a homer here. But I do challenge folks to bring the objective data to the table and show me why there's coaches on this list that have done more than Tom Thibodeau. Because he's got an NBA coach of the year in his closet. He's got a team that he took to the Eastern Conference Finals that just ran into LeBron, which so many people did, right? He's coached an MVP before. Thibodeau's a good name. Now he's just in a, he's with a franchise that has to figure out their life, essentially, right? He's, a, he's, the, he's the good boyfriend that's with the train wreck of a girlfriend or vice versa. Right. Like you, you hope that he's going to pull. He's, you hope that he's going to help them pull their life together. But you just don't know. You yeah, just he's don't also going to play. He's also going to play R.J. Barrett 47 and a half minutes a night. So we'll <laughs> like, see like, which means we'll win 45 games in the regular season but we'll be <laughs> out in the first round. That's the whole right? <laughs> but Shaka, this this thesis is a lot more about Doc Rivers and the Philadelphia hire. So well, we can both be here and be homers and talk about <laughs> how we may feel like we did or did not get the right person. Talk to me about Doc Rivers and Daryl, because you said that's the reality reality show type combination that could go very well for them so we both gave it a high grade what's your thought on doc no absolutely so i like doc in that um again he's got championship experience he does feel like a guy who will get he feels like a guy that will embrace trying to get those young stars to play together and listen i don't know if Embiid and ben simmons can i've already been on record saying you got to trade one i don't know that they ever can play together but doc seems like a coach that if he's going to find a way he's made fits work before like Lob City with Chris Paul and that abrasive personality, he made that work. 
as the head coach. The the Boston three party doesn't talk to each other, but Doc found a way to get them together to win a championship and get to another NBA final. So if it comes down to finding a way to build the chemistry, you trust Doc Rivers as much as anyone else because he's made it work before. I also like Doc Rivers coming back to the Eastern Conference. He had success in Orlando. He had success in Boston. I love him coming back and saying, okay, now I'm in the Eastern Conference blue-collar gritty and finding a way to maybe even make Philadelphia a team that it kind of embraces the personality of the city, which is one that's a little more gritty and grimy. And so trying to find a way to maybe grit and grind a little bit, not kind of full-on Memphis grit and grind where they're trying to score like right. 90 points a game, but just a way to get some mental toughness in there. Because as much as anything else, what I question about Philly is that aspect, is their mental toughness. Like when it hits the fan, is Philly going to just hunker down and say, we're going to fight through the obstacle? Or are they just going to get punched in the face and get knocked out? Because it's felt like the only time they – hunkered down and fought through the obstacle was when Jimmy Butler was there. Otherwise, that's not in their DNA. And obviously, Jimmy Butler's not walking through that door, right? (laughs) So, but Doc Rivers is. So Doc Rivers feels like a guy who can maybe find a way to make that work. But here's the other piece, and I think that I've said this to you, whether it's on pod or off pod. I trust Doc Rivers as much as anyone else to make the decision on if these guys can make it work. Like, I trust him as much as anyone else to, to see how these two guys are fitting in the system and say, hey, listen, this will work, or hey, listen, we got to move on. And obviously, I trust Daryl Morey as much as anyone else to go find the fit if it's not these two. But I also trust him as much as anyone else to say, well, if we're going to build around these two, for him to find the players that make the most sense. So that's where I come down on it. That's why I like Philly. I mean, you can't argue that the combination of Daryl and Doc are are anything but the best uh, based on these pieces. The, the the caveat is the unknown in Oklahoma City. And, I mean, frankly, we got to see if these two guys actually end up playing together. But we also have – it's hard. It's weird to think about because they are two, like, star power players. They're both all-stars. They are both top-level dra- lottery draft picks, right? But in the three seasons they've been healthy and on the Sixers together – They've played less than 200 games together, right? They they really don't have this like giant body of work that we're looking at. And I think it's interesting that we're looking at a new coach that I think does fit more of a Ben Simmons type of offense and that he's not going to require his guards to shoot a lot of threes. But I, you say you trust Doc with them. I, I My trust on the roster being put together is going to Daryl. And I think I trust Daryl because it's become evident with the athletic reporting in the last you know couple weeks since Daryl left Houston that the trade for Russell Westbrook was not his choice necessarily. It sounds like it came from above him and Tillman Fertitta, which oh, don't make me digress too much. But what I will <laughs> sell say, the team. <laughs> right, sell the team. But what I will say is that outside of that trade, it's hard to find a trade or signing that Daryl did not win, right? Daryl doesn't trade stars for lesser pieces. He doesn't like take this hit on trades very often. He'll trade a bunch of pieces for a star like he did Chris Paul. And he'll be like, I'll fill out the rest of the roster later. He will go all in and sign a guy like a Dwight Howard. He will offer Chris Bosh four years, $104 million. He will offer and go after these big, big things, but he doesn't just sell off his big, big things very often and very easily, right? Obviously, the biggest move of his being when he traded a bunch of parts for James Harden in the 20, was it 12 off season that, you know, that's, that's the gamble that paid off the most. Right. But Daryl is looking at this roster as well. And I see Daryl 
getting dock pieces. And if that means swapping out a star, I'd imagine it means bringing back in a star. We've seen the rumors about this week where Shan tweeted out that they've got interest in Harden and Houston said no. But, you know, you can see the wheel starting to move that if they're going to lose a star, it's not going to be for draft capital or for a bunch of role players. Like, they're... Only reason they're ditching one of those guys at is going to be for a real other all-star. And that's assuming they figure out that this thing doesn't work. I imagine, like you said, they're going to give it a run to see if these two can make it work with the right surrounding pieces and with the right offensive system because they're a tremendous defensive team. Like Joel Embiid is defensive player of the year level defender when he's healthy and ready to go. And I would and argue ben, ben Simmons is as well. Frankly. But I say Ben Simmons is a perimeter guy at six eight with long arms and super strong. It can guard really one through five. They they are a strong defensive team and with the right offensive system could be even better than a top three regular season Eastern Conference team, right? No, I mean I think that Philly has all the potential in the world if they could pull it all together and they have the right pieces and you got the right coach now to be a championship type of team. Gosh, but when you say Giannis to Miami, the rest of the league is done if that actually happens. But they have they have all the potential in the world. World. Like it's not even going to matter that AD's in LA anymore. Like that, that's a tough deal. Uh, but those pieces together feel like they could get something done. Obviously, I don't have the same level of trust in Philly, and that's that's my thing. They, there's always something. Do they get hurt? Whatever. All of that being said, this thesis is about who won the offseason coaching carousel. No one has a sexier combination than Philly. The deal is going to be eventually that thing's got to come to fruition, and I don't have a lot of faith. Part of this is also, though, if you're in the coaching carousel in the offseason, you needed some help. So, like, like the Lakers, the Lakers aren't in this coaching carousel, right? <laughs> Milwaukee feels real good about their coaching situation, right? Like, that's yeah. how that works. <laughs> Miami didn't enter the coaching carousel. They're doing fine. Friends, that is another edition of F in Sport. So, Parker, I feel like this is a great place for you to give us all the detail about the wedding. Like, I'm curious about China <laughs> patterns. I haven't gotten my invitation yet, but I'm sure it's in the mail. Why don't you tell everyone about uh, all the wedding details that you give us your socials? Uh, well, I will say that this year's wedding is just going to be like my parents and brother and her parents and brother and a very, very small deal. But you can find me on social media at Painsworth 512 all one word, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H, 512 on Twitter and Instagram. And, you know, I feel like after the last week, we're all listening to a lot more Philadelphia-type rappers and Meek Mill and Black Thought and Cassidy. <laughs> or if you're more of an Atlanta person like myself and you're more into the Outcasts and the Ludacrises and the TIs of the world, Jeezy, whoever. Like, and let's let's talk and enjoy some Philadelphia and Atlanta hip-hop for no particular reason after the last week. <laughs> I'll also respond to the FN Sports Twitter page at FN Sports 2, F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, number two, all one word. Uh, I use dash PA, Shaka will use dash CC, and Shaka, we got Instagram. Absolutely, we definitely have an Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me on Instagram at Shaka Cummings, at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. We could talk about, I don't know, we could talk about what, Milwaukee-based rappers, maybe some rappers out of Vegas and Clark County as well. Um, it's just feeling like those people are going to be... Um, kind of on the scene and up and coming, so we definitely want to shout them out. Shout out Maricopa <laughs> County. Um, thank you, friends, for another edition of FS Sports. Please remember to go out, like, subscribe, share, do all the wonderful things to help out the pod. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, hey. Can I carry those for you? Wow, thanks. Hey, I saw that. You helped the guy in the wheelchair take his groceries to the car. Always showing your good side. Know how else you could help him? Donate at Griffles Plasma, because he also relies on plasma-based medicines. By donating at Griffles Plasma, you make it possible for patients to live their best lives. And that feels really good. Hey, thanks again. No problem. Become a Griffles Plasma donor, and you can receive up to $800 this month. Find a center at grifflesplasma.com.